0: Good morning, Jindo. How are you today? I have had
1: a fantastic day. I got a call at the first thing in the morning, got me out of bed with some very good news, something I've been working on for a long time, has come to fruition. My kid uh, gave me some very good news today. My daughter's turning 12 tomorrow. She said, thanks, Dad, for being my dad for 12 years. I mean, it's been a lovely day. And that's why my life is suffering, sir. Suffering.
0: I sense a bit of a paradox there.
1: Yeah. Things are going well, and you think this is suffering? This is not my personal neuroses that when things are going well, there's bad news around the corner. It's, in fact, a Buddhist teaching, and maybe the reason that Buddhism gets that ill-deserved reputation for being kind of bleak. It's quite the opposite. But Buddhism teaches that life is suffering, and that's our
0: subject today. I want to start with my day. I got woken up by one of my cats way too early. I only slept about five hours, and I'm having a great day. But it's for you, too. This is our subject today, Dukkha. Dukkha is an interesting word because it's the heart of the Four Noble Truths. In fact, the first one is that life is dukkha. And unfortunately, it's translated as suffering. And this is like an old-fashioned translation. It probably dates back to the 19th century when people didn't understand the subtlety. Because dukkha isn't just suffering. I mean, it is suffering. There's some serious dukkha when you suffer. But it could be things like discomfort and unhappiness and dissatisfaction. They don't really sound like suffering, do they?
1: Exactly. This is why we've put it as the number two episode on our basic Buddha series. Because the last time we left our hero, he was sitting under a tree. (laughs) And uh, Brahma came down. And the credits rolled. Yes. It was a cliffhanger. It was a cliffhanger. Brahma came down and said, uh, Buddha, get your Buddha butt off on the road and go spread the word. So Buddha finds uh, five of his old companions and offers some of his initial teachings, the most important and cherished teachings to this day in Buddhism, one of which is about dukkha, the cause of dukkha, there is a cure for dukkha, and how to cure dukkha, which leads
0: to the question, as you said, what the heck is dukkha? I think when you look at translation, sometimes you want to look back at the origin of a word, and dukkha means a bad axle hole. Right. And so there's Duca and there's Suka, which is the good axle hole. And I guess this comes from the day of horse-drawn vehicles and carriages. And if you had a good axle hole, then your ride was smoother. And if you had a bad axle hole, it was really bumpy and uncomfortable. And that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? That, that Suka is a smooth ride and Duca is a bumpy ride, because neither of them are necessarily the extremes of ultimate happiness and ultimate suffering. But they're this sort of you're waiting in the airport for four hours to get your baggage. That's duca. It's not it's not the end of the world.
1: No. Our subject today is how every single problem in the world, from geopolitical issues to the fact that your cat has fleas is dukkha. Everyone including the bad axle hole. It's all about the fact they didn't have good shock absorbers back then. This is
0: it. Imagine if they did, it would have been a totally different thing.
1: As you said, dukkha is the bumpy wheel. Yep. The wheel of friction, the wheel of resistance. Well, Suka is the wheel that turns smoothly, even as it goes down the road of life, which may have its bumps. Bumpy spots. Exactly, exactly. So the title of this podcast became Dukkha is Sucky, but Suka is Ducky. Is that is that a Britishism? So they still say that? it's ducky, ducky, yeah.
0: I don't think I've ever heard it since I've been here. I mean, you see it in old British films. It's also a term that you could say to a person, hello, Ducky. So it's not necessarily, it doesn't really fit, but we can go with it. We can go with the flow.
1: Okay. And and for our friends in New Jersey, we got to give the proper, proper pronunciation. Hey, Mook, it's Duke. Okay.
0: It's, it's duca. <laughs> We got some criticism about your comment in the last episode that there are no Buddhas in New Jersey. Who cares? They're from New Jersey. Anyway, let's keep going. <laughs> uh, so what is dukkha? You hit it. I, I just want to apologize to everyone from New Jersey who's listening to this podcast. But you are New Jersey, so you deserve it.
1: Sorry. Yeah, I was born in, 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 uh, in New York and grew up in, in Yonkers. No, New Jersey. Anyway, we're not, we're not here to talk about Jersey. We're talking about dukkha. And you hit it. Dukkha is the key teaching of Buddhism.
0: Always has been, always will be. Would it be fair to say that if you understand Dukkha, you're enlightened? No. No. If you understand
1: how to, shall we say, see through, be through,
0: be liberated from Dukkha, you are enlightened. Well, does that mean that we can eliminate Dukkha from our lives? That doesn't seem possible. You... Can
1: well, that's our subject today. First, we got to define dukkha. The bad guy here is desire. Ah, uh. this was, you know, the four noble truths that the Buddha taught, which, by the way, don't mean that the truths are noble, it means if you live these truths, you live in a noble way, right? And he said, Actually, I can think he could have abbreviated this, you know, why did you need four? He said, There's dukkha, there's the cause of dukkha, the cure for dukkha, and here's the cure for dukkha. He could have. You know, reduce the paperwork down to two. Okay. Yeah. Here's dukkha and here's how to cure it. There, there you go. But actually, okay. And there's the cause. So, what is the cause of dukkha and what is dukkha? As you said, suffering is a very bad translation, or the word doesn't capture it all. It's more resistance or disappointment or worry about how the world is versus what you wish it to be. Right. Dukkha is not because something bad happened. And it's not because something good happened. It's because you wish things to be a certain way, and they're not. Or you're pleased right now that they're a certain way, and you really are worried they're not going to stay that way. If you can truly go with the flow of how things are, allowing the unfortunate situation to be the unfortunate situation or allowing even the good news to be the good news, but not clinging to it with your
0: desire, you are free. So this seems like it's hiding another one of the key elements of Buddhism, because we're talking about how things are good and they're not going to remain good, and that's all about impermanence, right? Right, right.
1: uh, One of the Buddhist teachings, which we will cover when, ask me when? Um, I'm guessing in a future episode? A future episode, yes is uh, that uh, all things are impermanent. That's not a problem unless you resist the change and don't flow with the impermanent. Right. If you allow things to change, there's no resistance. The sukha wheel spins smoothly with its excellent shock absorbers, and you go through life. Mm -hmm. Now, again, here's the thing. Nothing about the Buddhist teachings will keep you from bumping your knee on a table. I guarantee you, I don't know if they had tables back then. I guess they had tables. But the Buddha, they had tables. I'm sure. And the Buddha had a knee. So he bumped yeah. his knee on tables. Nothing prevented that. Nothing will prevent you from getting old, sick, and dying. It's proven by the fact that Buddha did what? Got old, sick, and died.
0: He got old, sick, and died. But some people think he lived forever. But that's another story for another episode.
1: That's, that's, that's what we covered last week. That's in one sense, yes. But the physical Buddha complained about his aches and pains, his aching joints, his arthritis. I mean, I grew up in Miami Beach, you know, with the economy. Everyone, oh, <laughs> my arthritis, you know. Oh, I got, yeah, that was the old Buddha. He was a cretch, a, a Buddha Kvetch yep. about uh, his aches and pains. Because nothing about this is going to make sure you always win life's lottery. Mm. You're not going to always get your wishes. And even if you did, it would be a poison. Like the guy who wins the lottery and he says, what's the next great thing?
0: Well, the guy who wins the lottery and then goes on a total rampage and spends all his money and ends up homeless and sad. What's he chasing after? Yeah.
1: Desires. Desire is the key. Now, here, here's... I'm going to put Buddhism down to... You can put this on a coin and keep it in your pocket. Buddhism is about desire. No, actually, the Buddha said that. It's nothing original there.
0: But if... And actually, I think that'll be another episode because it's a lot more than desire. There are a number of of different poisons, as they call them. Yes. But but desire is the root. If you desire
1: what is, even if that is is not particularly pleasing, you're free. If you desire that things are the way they are, even if at the moment you're sick, the moment you're losing, at the moment you've had something happen in your life that is not particularly pleasing to you. But if you can accept and flow and not desire that things be any other way, you are free. For example, if I get sick and part of me or all of me can accept even the fact that I'm sick, that's like a liberation. The resistance to wanting to be healthy is the dukkha. If when you're sick, you're sick, and you just allow yourself to be sick, being sick is no fun, don't get me wrong, but there's no dukkha. If you're sick and only think about and want to be healthy, that's desire, then there's dukkha. Life is not always ducky, but if you let life be the way it is, there's no dukkha, even though life sometimes is sucky.
0: So, when you were in the hospital with cancer, were you able to just accept it was the way it is? That's what I do—the real fruit of this practice, because the answer is yes
1: and no. Mm. Can I I tell you something? There's been a couple of approaches to this in Buddhism through the century, and that is very, very important. So, Buddhism said that if you don't desire things, you're free. So, there were two basic approaches to this. The early Buddhist approach. And also it's reflected in some other, I think, kinds of approaches. Uh, I think Brahmanism, Hinduism may do this. Just stop all desire. Somehow be desireless,
0: and there's liberation. But that sounds awfully extreme. Yes, it can be. That that sounds like you're cutting off your emotions, doesn't it? That's because you're kind of cutting off your emotions. Ah, I guess that explains it.
1: The, The image was throwing cold water on hot coal. Mm. Going cool, completely cool. Yeah, having no desires. That's why the monks would give up sex, give up food after twelve o'clock, mm. have one set of you know uh, bowls and a, a couple of robes, and they're done. That's you know there you are. That's all you need. That's all you got. If you work that way, you're free because you have learned to free yourself of desire. Personally, I can't be like that. So I'm very glad that Mahayana Buddhism and Zen came up with a kind of another way to approach this, which you can ask me what that is. Well, tell me what this other approach is. Is this some sort of middle way? It's a middle way that uh, I'm going to describe as uh, three legs of a beautiful stool. It's a wonderful approach to desire that uh, I actually think is a little more sophisticated and practical and uh, very down to earth, something that developed in uh, China and Japan, which maybe uh, the people were a little bit more of about staying in this world and recognizing that it's okay to have some desire. So I'm going to tell you those three ways. Ask me about number one. Tell me about the first one. Okay, have good desire, healthful desire, healthy desire. What are those? It's not always black and white, but basically the They're the desires that leave your life better, leave the people around you better, leave you feeling more at home. It's eating your vegetables and not just the the fast food Big Mac all the time. You know, it's not having the drug habit. It's not uh, being violent and uh, abusive. It's desiring things that are good and healthful in life. That's number
0: one. Ask me about number two. I was going to ask about that, because if you cut off all desire, then you cut off the motivation that can come from desire to make things better. So we don't want to do that.
1: Uh, you know, that was the life for the people living in the monastic environment, right? But for us, especially out in the world, Buddhism came out in the world, it's much more practical to say that we need desires to live and survive. Just choose good ones. Right. Right. That's, that's, that's leg number one. Okay, so what's the second leg? Number two, don't go to extremes in your desires, even the good ones, and don't be overly attached and clutching of them. This is important. So for example, I have things I want in life. I, like many things and projects, I want to be successful. But do it in a way where you accept that it may not work, and if it doesn't work, Let it not work. Don't cling to only having successes. Be accepting that you work for your desires, you hope for your desires, but if they don't work out, say la vie. I think that's Sanskrit. Say la vie.
0: Okay, so what's the third leg of the stool?
1: Ah, now here's the interesting there is a, shall we say, wisdom, clarity, a place that one can reach in our. Zazen practice. Zazen is Buddhist meditation where there is nothing lacking. There's nothing to desire because it's just wholly what it is. It's a kind of place of completion. One of the reasons is the little self. We're going to talk about it. They asked me when we're going to talk about the self or the. When are we going to talk about the self? In a couple episodes down the line.
0: That's not in our schedule
1: yet. Yeah, we'll get there. When the self. Loses its sense of separation and anything separate to desire. There's such a sense of wholeness that there's no one to desire and there's nothing to be desired. So we can attain this experience of this wholeness, which exists. Here's the catch you asked him on my hospital bed. Yeah. Even, even when in the hospital, you're lying there absolutely miserable and wanting to be anyplace else. You can know both of these at the same time. And this, I think, is what Zen folks discovered a long time ago, because they were in a, a time when they got sick, too, and they had disappointment. But at the same time, you can know this place beyond
0: disappointment. I, it's just true. That's 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 our medicine for dukkha. On the one hand, this sounds easy, but on the other hand, in practice, this is extremely difficult. Yeah, Paul Buddha, Dr. Dukkha. This was the
1: medicine. This was the medicine. Now it's takes practice. That's why our, our Buddhist way is about practice. But one can learn to have this access to a certain wisdom where there is truly nothing to desire, even as you're in a situation where you don't want to be. Uh one of our priests at uh at tree leaf, you know, is in a war zone right now in Odessa, Ukraine. Hmm. I'm sure I know uh, he would not like to be in a war zone in Odessa, Ukraine. What keeps him going is he also knows how to access this place where there are no battles and there are no wars. Now, how do you do that? I said there were four noble truths. There's dukkha. There's the cause of dukkha. There is the escape a release from the cause of dukkha, which leads to the fourth
0: noble truth, which is... The Eightfold Path. The Eightfold Path. I've been paying attention, even if I'm sitting at the back of the class. Yeah,
1: which we're going to get to
0: maybe in the next... In a future episode. Well, future episodes. I don't know if we could cover it all yes. in one. Yeah, future yeah. episodes. Yeah. Yeah. But I want to go back to the third one, because is it the release from dukkha? Is it the liberation from dukkha? Does it matter what the verb is there?
1: I, I uh, release liberation.
0: Uh, uh Cessation?
1: Well, you know, cessation, yes, it is. But again, what we discovered is you can have this liberation and cessation even as you're up to your neck in this sucky, sucky world. This is the thing. I, I don't like stubbing my toe. I don't like getting cancer. I don't like uh, when... Bad things happen to me, whether it's losing my job or losing someone I love. This life is hard. This life, did you know that? Did you know that? And it's that life is hard? Not only if you live in New Jersey, this life is just hard, hard. And it was hard in the Buddhist time, it was hard in the time of the Chinese Zen masters. But you can find this something beyond the hardness, even as you're up to your neck in. Being in Trenton, New Jersey.
0: Mm, yeah, it must be pretty tough for people in New Jersey. Yeah, we, we should stop picking on the New Jersey folks. We're going to get letters. We should. But, you know, I grew up in New York too, and New Jersey was always like, you know, the funny state over there.
1: Yes, the the Duca state. No, but anyway, yes. we're going no. to leave them
0: alone. We're going to <laughs> leave. But ask me how every problem in this world is Duca. Everyone. How is every problem Duca? That seems to be reducing everything to one tiny little idea. Your cat has fleas. It's dukkha. If
1: part of you gets so upset and resistant and cannot accept the fleas. Now, again, on the one hand, what you should do if your cat has fleas is, I suppose, get your cat a flea collar or give your cat a bath. Hmm. There's a difference between a situation, which may not be completely pleasing, and problem. Problem exists between your ears. That is a human judgment of a situation because. The desire desire is that life be some other way. I want my cat not to have fleas. The situation is, cat has fleas. That's neither, from a Buddhist point of view, good or bad. It's just a fact. Well, it's not too good for the cat. No, it's not good for the cat in a physical way. But the judgment yeah. that this is something you don't want is the duke. Do- Right. Again, the 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 interesting part of this, you can still say, "Oh, this is not a healthy situation for the cat. Let's wash the cat and get rid of the fleas." Okay. Mm -hmm. That I'm not saying like, "Oh, accept the fleas, bow to the fleas, and just let your cat, you know, be sick." (laughs) Don't do that to the poor cat. It's the added between the ears. This is something I don't want. I'm upset. I'm angry. I'm disappointed. I'm resisting this. Damn those fleas!
0: That's the dukkha. Mm. Treat the fleas, release the dukkha. Okay, now one criticism could be made is that someone could have made this up so poor oppressed people remain poor and oppressed and accept that they are poor and oppressed. And it has been used
1: that way sometimes, and we don't need to. Hungry people, feed them. That's separate from the dukkha.
0: No, but the hungry people, should they just accept that they're hungry? No, they, And not desire food.
1: They should... Des-
0: Wait a second. First off, the Buddha said, this is very interesting,
1: we're jumping ahead a little bit, but the Buddha said, we have some basic desires, food, companionship, safety, Right. right? There are some basic things we need. And I think if you're truly, truly hungry, it's really hard to practice Buddhism or anything. Buddhism mm. is based on the fact that the monks first went out in the morning and got their bowls filled, had their breakfast, yeah. and then they practiced Buddhism. If you're starving, mm. it is really hard. If you're starving for oxygen, you're choking, you're drowning, get out of the pool, get, catch yeah. your breath, and then you can practice Buddhism. There are limits, I think, to what the body can do. But the basic idea is this, wishing the world were some other way. Whether it's the cat's fleas or that there is no war in Ukraine, is dukkha. That is nothing about being able to cure the cat, feed the hungry, stop the war. You can still do that at the same time. When we're saying acceptance and flowing with it, it's one part of the heart, but the other part can work to solve the situation. The problem exists between your ears, the resistance, the anger. That's one thing. But there is a situation that has to be dealt with. You can deal with it, coolly and calmly, too. That is acting without dukkha. And by the way, you asked me at the beginning of the episode, why my having a great day is dukkha, too. And as I said, it's because if you clutch it, if you want it to stay that way, there's an implied dukkha, except that today is what it is. So where are we going tomorrow? Ask me.
0: Okay, Roshi, where are we
1: going from here? I hope my heart accepts that where we go is where we're going.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe in iTunes or in your favorite podcast app. Please give us a rating. Tell your friends. You can check out past episodes at our website, zen-of-everything.com. Thanks for listening.